give them a big hand. Here's the thing that always blows me away. Leah is 15 years old. I'm like, come on. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's so much fun. I, I love it. We're just having fun in this season. We are so close to Christmas. Can you believe it? We're only a week away. And that means we're heading into a new year. I know, 2018. And we really do love to, uh, to, to come into the new year, refresh, and have a new vision. We do something uh, for the last few years called Leadership Gathering. I want to draw your attention to that. If you're a person that is a leader in this place, you're leading any part of Kensington. And by the way, everyone is leading something. Everyone's a leader. You're leading yourself. You're leading your friends. You're leading your family, neighborhood, schools, wherever you are, where God has put you. But if you're a leader here at Kensington, we are inviting you to be part of Leadership Gathering to start our year out. To hear really inspiring uh, teaching from three. In fact, our new Troy teaching pastor is going to come on and be partners with me in 2018. Andrew Kim is going to be speaking there. So you can go online, just uh, kensingtonchurch.org uh, forward slash lead and sign up for that. Because it is not something you want to miss uh, to start your new year. Well, like I said, we are super close to Christmas services. We have 11 services just here at Troy. 51 across our eight campuses. And we had Cliff Johnson, who is our lead teacher for Christmas. He has some thoughts for us about where we're heading this year. Check them out. Christmas, the most wonderful time of the year, right? Wonderful? 
Not sure I would always describe it that way. Shopping, busyness, your dreaded office Christmas party, <laughs> stress, getting your house ready for family, cramming for finals, spending too much money, long hours at the office, year-end number crunching, tension in your relationships. If I'm honest, I have to say that there have been moments in the midst of the craziness around Christmas that I have wondered if life would be easier if Christmas had just never come. Would our lives just be simpler and more peaceful without all the insanity of this season? What if December 25th was just another day? This year, we're going to take you on a journey where we look at a world where Christmas never came. What if Jesus Christ was never born? What would be different? We will look at the impact of the life of Jesus Christ and to how he changed human history. You will be amazed at what we uncover. You won't want to miss Christmas at Kensington this year. The team has been working hard on designing a service with your friends and neighbors in mind. There will be music, video, drama, lighting, and a beautiful response moment that really captures this idea of not only Jesus not being born, but also gives us moments to celebrate the fact that he was born. Don't miss the laughter, the truth, and the wonder of Christmas. Bring a friend, bring a neighbor, grab your tickets as we explore a world in which December 25th is anything but just another day. Well, yeah, we did our actual premiere service right here this past Thursday for our staff, and it was so much fun. We're excited about this service. In fact, I would say this, Jalen Seawright, who is our worship director, has put together what I think, I've been here almost 18 years, he has put together one of the greatest vocal musical moments to me that we've had in here. I've put it in my top 10. So we're inviting you to come back and really uh, invite friends and and neighbors. When you walked in, you should have got some invite uh, cards. On the back, you have all of the services for actually all of our campuses. And so we'd love you to take some of those and invite, invite, and pack. In fact, I can't believe it, but there's already been over 11,000 tickets taken just for Troy. So it's awesome. We're excited about it. And remember this, the first 10 services are going to be the same. But the last service, our 11 p.m. service on Christmas Eve, which is sort of like midnight mass. When I grew up, that was what we did, went to midnight mass. We're going to do that a little bit different. We're going to change the front of the service, and we're going to sing about four, three, four, five carols together, and then do the same message in the end. We're going to try to light candles real close to midnight as we're heading into Christmas Day, so be part of that. When you walked in, you might have gotten this. Uh, I'd love for everyone to have one of this in the season. If you didn't, uh, you can raise your hand. The ushers will come and give you this. This is our year-end uh, catalog, and I really want you to look at this and take it. If you're brand new here, uh, this is perfect for you because you can kind to leaf through it and really see our heart, what we're passionate about, what we love, what we really believe in. If you're part of Kensington, this is our year end where we say, hey, we want you to be part of this with us on financially and giving. So we are going to have, uh, Steve Andrews is going to teach us today. We're going to sit up and talk a little bit more about this at the end because we are in this heart of Christmas series. This is our last week. First week we talked about joy. Last week with Andrew Kim, he came in from Philly and he talked about peace. And today, Steve is going going to be leading us in a thought about love, but love that only comes from one source, uh, only from God. And so we're excited for that. Before we, uh, before Steve comes up, why don't we stand up and greet one another and kind of move a little closer into the middle. Took a breath, you breathed your life. 
Father, it's hard to believe that the greatest epic love story has us as the object. And your reckless love tells a story and paints a picture that nothing in the world compares to. And I know people that are in the room here today, people that are listening watching on the stream. Some are struggling terribly, worried about everything. Others are doing great, but they're still at the core. To have a chance to know that we're loved beyond the world, beyond the universe, beyond this life, that there's a love that is powerful and changes everything. It's amazing to dream about and to hope for and to believe. We thank you in Jesus' name. you thank Leah, Jalen, you guys, John. Hey, love your heart, man. Thank you. Pretty great. You know, um, 
It's funny, that song is the whole message. So if you, if you want to break early and grab lunch, you're welcome to, to take off because that about, that's about as good as it's going to get. That's amazing. And I was thinking how during this series, thanks, Mike. By the way, Mike Mayer has been one of my longest and most awesome friends for 25 years here at this church. Anyway, appreciate you. Thank you, man. It's so funny. You know what I love about him is his day job is actually is pretty unbelievable. If I told you everything he's done in his life, but what I love is just this place being surrounded by people that serve and give and partner, and it's just incredible. You know, uh, knowing that I was going to speak about love this week, by the way, last week, if you weren't here and you didn't see the story of Nicodemus and Reuben, please go, please go on, on Kensington, uh, our website or our, or our mobile app and just that story is one of the greatest stories we've ever told. We've got another great, great story for you today. But what's interesting in this series, The Heart of Christmas, love, joy, peace, what's happened for me is I've been seeing these things everywhere I go over this holiday. And this week, I've just seen unbelievable pictures of love. Some of them, surpri- some of them are surprising, some of them are not. So Friday, I, I did a funeral service for a good friend, Larry Trevero, who's been at Kensington since the beginning. And uh, just a great guy. And to see the love that his wife, children, grandchildren have for him, his co-workers, the respect, the love, it was something beautiful to see. But it, what, what caught me by the surprise the most is because he was a military vet, we had a gun salute at the, at the cemetery. And, you know, when you go to this now, sometimes you'll have young men and women or young military people uh, that are serving. It's really beautiful to engage in. But, but usually you got the old guys too, you know the old military guys that are coming in there. And I am not kidding you. When, when they got to the gun salute, there was this one, one old guy and he, he's like, and I'm wondering, is, is he going to get the shot off or is he going to, you know, go backwards into the snow? And I thought, what, and, and by the way, he made it. I thought, what motivates a guy like that? It's what motivates everybody, which is what is love. Love is this powerful, moving, dynamic force that changes the world. And it's funny, it's everywhere I look. And when I think about Kensington people, it's everywhere I look, it's love. It's people demonstrating love. It's people demonstrating a love that goes against their nature to serve, to do. I was thinking of a buddy, Mike and I have a buddy who, his son years ago just said, Dad, I hate the homeless people not having blankets. And so for 20 years, we got this guy, he and his son, Every, every winter, right, as it starts to get cold, they start driving the streets of Detroit and just laying blankets on homeless people that are sleeping on grates or whatever. Like they can't maybe change that situation, but at least they can have a really good blanket. It's just a, these are the acts of love that change the world in our picture of God's love. Yesterday, um, my, our grandkids are with us for five days. My daughter and son-in-law are on their first kind of real vacation since they were married eight and a half years ago. And we've just, we've been having so much fun. I, I, you know, unfortunately, my daughter and son-in-law are probably going to come back. But <laughs> we are, just to experience the love, and I want to say most of you in this room are not grandparents. And you, you, you'll hear it a million times. You say, oh, wait till you're a grand, grandparent. You know what? It's true. It's like my kids are so dead to me now. Uh, <laughs> there's something about grandchildren that just, it just, it, it, there's a sense of fulfillment and meaning that it, it, I've never had in my life. And just last night, it's so fun being a grandfather because you can break the rules. And um, so CK's two and a half, he didn't want to get in his crib. So we just we decided just to read books on the floor. We laid blankets on the floor uh, next to the crib. And we just, we laid on the floor for an hour and a half reading books. And, and uh, actually needed help getting up off the floor after an hour and a half. But it's amazing when you experience this kind of love along the way. It's just amazing. So I want to speak to you today about love. At the heart of the history of the Bible, there are actually three words of love that you'll probably recognize, possibly at least. The first one is eros. It's a very famous word for love in the Greek world. The Greek-Roman world in the mythology was all about eros, all about desire. Actually, this word is defined as sexual love or desire. It's a feeling-driven kind of love, and it can change in an instant from the deepest passion to the deepest hatred. That's eros. 
And all of us who've lived a long time know what that's like. We know what it's like to really feel strongly about somebody in the next, you know, there's a lot of you in this room that had somebody told, told you they loved you on Friday night and on Monday they didn't speak to you. That's Eros. And thank God that's not the only kind of love there is. And by the way, Eros is a powerful love. And you find in history that when desire, this kind of love, is sublimated, in other words, when it's channeled, when it's disciplined, it's one of the most powerful forces in the world for good. But when it runs rampant, if you just live by your desire, then you end up destroying your life and destroying other people's lives as well. But it's an important kind of love. The second kind of love you'll recognize is philos. It's where you get the word, the city of Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. It's the, it's the love of friendship and companionship. It's a beautiful kind of love. It's actually interesting for me, after being uh, married all these years, being older now, that in terms of marriage, marriage becomes so much in your later years about friendship. It's rich. It's, it's, it now has become this thing where you really can't imagine being alive without the other person. I didn't feel that way when I was younger. In the Old Testament and in the New, uh, for Jewish weddings, uh, the philos, the friend, was often the person who would uh, take care of the groom and make sure he got to the wedding and that everything took place for the marriage. It's actually very similar to what we experience today. Uh, how many of you men had a best man in your wedding? That's, that's, that's the philos. That's from the, word, the, the word, Greek word for love, phileo, this companionship kind of love. What's interesting is uh, it's very different in the South. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, when Paula and I got engaged uh, in 1980, Thanksgiving Day, uh, uh, I actually said to her, I said, you know what? As far as a wedding, I'm, I'm, I don't care what we do. Uh, I just want to be married soon. And, uh, and, that's, I'll, and I only have one stipulation. I said, I'd like my father to be my best man. Well, she's from Racine, Wisconsin. What does she know? And uh, in fact, let me ask you a question. Most of you guys are from the Midwest or from the North. How many of you had your father? How many men here had your father as your best man? Anybody? Let me see. Anybody here? One person here? Is there somebody else over here? Two? Okay. So the rest of you, what do you know? Anybody in the balcony? Because in the Midwest, you don't do that. You, you usually have like your brother. You could be a biological brother or a really close friend is your best man. But in the South... It was a tradition that struck up. And so when I told Paula, I said, I want my dad to be my best man. She goes, so does that mean I have to have my mother as the matron of honor? (laughs) It didn't go well after that, the conversation. The point was, for me, my dad was my philos, my my friend, my companion. It's like people said to me, because people that know me knew I never rebelled against my father. I never went through teenage rebellion. I thought, why? Because it's impossible to rebel against your duck hunting partner. It's, it's impossible to, to rebel against the guy that wants you on every adventure. And that's what I had. It was a very unusual relationship. It was a philos relationship. And what's, what I love is over the years, I have so many people. I've got Andy Popchuk right now, who's been one of those philos brothers for me for many years. Danny Cox, Steve Nor- uh, Mark Nelson, Dave Wilson, all these guys that God has brought into my life. God's bringing younger men into my life now that are that same relationship. And if I, I, actually, I watch in our 1829 group. You sense this comradeship, this brotherhood. It's really a beautiful thing to watch. I love it. It makes the world go round. But there's a third word in the scripture that's really big. And it's the word that in, was used in the Greek language occasionally, but not a lot. But when we get to the New Testament, it's everywhere. It's the word, what? You know it. Agape. It's agape love. You hear it? If you've been in Christian circles, you hear about this agape kind of love. It's a love that is very similar to the Hebrew word in the Old Testament, which was ahava, which was love that it always coincides with giving, that loving and giving are inseparable. You say you love, but you don't give of yourself. You don't, you don't, lay, you don't sacrifice. It's not love. It's not agape love. It's a powerful, powerful image of love. And so when Jesus, by the way, Jesus used the word friendship love a lot. He said, said to his friends, he said, he said to the disciples, said, I don't call you my servants. That's what, what a lot of the structure out there is. I call you my, my friends. You know everything I know. You really, you matter to me. And that friendship theme plays throughout the New Testament. So when we say in Christ, 
we become what? Friends of God. It's amazing to think about. But in this word agape, it's a, it's a, it's a unique word in that it, it has a, it's taken on a world of meaning within the New Testament. And at its simplest, apart from the New Testament, it would simply mean to be fond of or to love dearly. And modern language doesn't do it justice. Its meaning is so much d- deeper because agape is a costly love. It's a love that will pay any price of sacrifice. It's unflinching and nothing changes it. In fact, I remember when my daughter, a couple of my daughters really rebelled from the Lord and rebelled from me and I, I played a big part in it. I was, I was pretty overbearing and uh, we went through, through some pretty dark times. And I remember that my feelings of love for them really diminished during that time. Like to about zero. But the commitment of love, I realized that there was a deeper love that God had given me that was playing into that. It wasn't my love. It was God's love that eventually started to come through me. And by the way, their love for me over these last years has been over it's just overwhelming to think about. When you are loved with this kind of of love. It's so powerful. It's just feeling that love with CK last night, laying on the floor, reading books. By the way, I love Richard Scarry. He's the, he's the greatest. Goldbug is my favorite character in history. In case you don't know that, look it up. But this love will endure torture, agonizing death, Endure every trial. Agape is our word. If you know Jesus Christ, you know the word agape because he embodies that. This is the word that describes who he is. It's the word that we most want to embrace. And let me say to you, isn't it most what you want in your own life? You think back of all the most precious moments of your whole life. What was it? Somebody really loved you. Somebody really cared about you. Even when you most often didn't deserve it. That's why the song is so great. Go back, get that song. Make sure you put, have that song on your playlist. So when Jesus describes himself in John 3, something amazing happens. This is the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world. That he gave his one and only son. For God so agape, agapeo, this is God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. So you want to know what life is like, what love is like? It's where you would be willing to allow your child to be in harm's way or your grandchild. As a parent, that is the most impossible thought because there are times we'd put our spouse in harm's way if we had to. Okay, some of you are not laughing. It's legal to laugh. It's okay. <laughs> Sometimes you'd be frustrated with your kids, but to put them in harm's way? Mm. It's inconceivable. Why would you ever do that? And yet God's love was so great that he loved, which meant he gave. Love, he gave. He gave Agape love, defined, is agape love is giving what is most precious. So that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. In other words, love wants others to live. You, you, you want what is best for the other person. That's why you know it's not selfish, because a lot of people say, well, I, would do any, I want you to sacrifice for me. So if you, would, if, so, if you were to say that to somebody else, say, I love you so much, I want you to sacrifice for me, that's not love. That's manipulation. It's probably eros in that. But real agape love says, I'm going to love you and I'm going to sacrifice for you. And I'm not, and I'm going to stop even worrying about what comes in return. Now, it's a dangerous love because there are people who will take agape love and abuse it. Even Christians would say, there was, this was an argument in the early church to say, well, if God loves us so much now, we can just do what we want to do. Well, that's not actually the response to loving, sacrificial love. This agape love is powerful. It's how we want to be loved. It's for everyone. that It says, whoever believes should not perish but have eternal life. I love that. And then 
This is the best part. And then for the, some of you that maybe came from a judgmental background, you need to hear this. In verse 17, it says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Like God is not pointing his finger. In fact, I don't even want to do that because I don't want you to remember that. God is saying, I came to bring you back to the heart of the Father. I came to bring you back into relationship. I came so that you would know that you're loved. There are people here today, you're feeling your life is worthless or out of control. God is saying, you're precious. He did not send his son because love gives and love sends. Love goes, love does. He didn't send his son to the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You know, if you're a parent or a grandparent, you'd do any, you would do anything to save your children. And a lot of times as a parent or a grandparent, what happens? You reach a certain point and there's nothing you can do. Man, it's the worst feeling in the world. You reach a point, there's nothing you can do. You can pray, you can trust, but in the end, it's not your life and it's not your story. And what do you pray for your kids? You pray that they would know the love of God, the agape love of God. I remember one of the times that I experienced this most deeply. It's 10 years ago, our oldest daughter, who's actually on vacation with her husband and has blessed us with her children for a few days. Her senior year at Wheaton College, by the way, she was the only one of my four kids that got the, the true vision from God to go to Wheaton. And... Uh, she had a great experience in her senior year. Some of you, a few of you may know this story. She went for six months to West Africa to a country called Burkina Faso to live in the capital city of Ouagadougou. How many of you have ever heard of Burkina Faso? Can I see a show of hands? Okay, a lot of you. Wow, at least 30 of us here. It's amazing. Amazing geographic uh, knowledge. She told me, I had no idea. I'd never heard of it. And some of you heard of it because you heard me tell the story, but... Um, she says, I said, Lindy, that's great. And by the way, my kids, I was, we were pretty strict with our kids. But if our kids were doing something for Jesus, then it was kind of blank check. So if they really want to do something crazy, if it was about Jesus, we're like, go for it. So she says, Dad, it's a 99% Muslim country. It's 10 years ago. And I'm like, mm, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah, okay, okay. You know, okay. <laughs> you know, we really had to process that. Six months, not going with anybody, didn't know who was going to, she was working with a Christian organization there, relief agency, didn't know who she was going to meet. And then about a week before she was to go, I said, hey, so who's picking you up at the airport in this 99% Muslim country? She says, I don't know. They said someone would meet me at the airport. (laughs) Dad hat goes on, you know, are you serious? Are you kidding me? You're going to this country that you don't even know a name. Anybody could be there. So I'm here to pick you up. That's crazy. She's like, dad, I got it. In other words, like back off and nobody gets hurt. She said, God called me to do this. And this is my story. She actually said that this isn't God's call for me. So I got it in the discussion. We ended up having to wait three or over three days to hear that she had arrived safely. She was able to finally get near internet. And I will never forget as long as I live. It was one of those moments where you realize you're any, any, any uh, fantasy. A lot of you are control freaks like me. It was one of those moments where any, any fantasy that you're, you think you're in control of the world. We kissed her goodbye in the lobby at McNamara. She was flying Delta. She went through security. And you guys know the, know the place. Right before she turned to go down the escalator, she turned. And because she's of all our kids, she hates a scene. Don't make a scene with her. She doesn't like it. And, she's, and she, she turns, she's just like our little girl that was never supposed to be born. Five years of infertility, we were told we would never have children. And our miracle daughter is going down an escalator to go to a country I've never heard of for six months to meet people we've never even heard of, people she doesn't know their name. And when she turned and waved, I remember, remember going... You know, like, have a good time. <laughs> and then she disappeared down the escalator, and Paula and I just wept. Because when you give what is most precious, you thought, what if, what if they mistreat 
the person that's most precious to me. And then you think, what must God the Father have felt? (laughs) It's amazing. By the way, people treated her great. She had an incredible life-changing six months. She was never in danger that I know of, and she made lifelong friends. Amazing experience when you let your kids follow Christ in the world. It's very exciting. But this agape love is the kind of love where you say, are you serious? Are you kidding me? That's why John, who wrote the words of Jesus in John 3, 16, adds in 1 John a letter that he wrote to the church. He said, dear friends, let us love one another. By the way, I I forgot to mention this in the other services. This word, dear friends, is agapos. This is agape ones. He's literally saying agape ones. It's very unusual. That is a New Testament unique. Beloved you say someone is the beloved, you're actually using the word agape without knowing it. He's saying, because you are most precious. He's saying, dear friend, dear beloved, most cherished, dear friends is not an accurate, not a good enough translation. He says, let us love one another for love comes from God. Agape, agape, agape. Everyone who agapes has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not agape does not know God because God is agape. This is how God showed his agape love among us. He sent his one and only son. I just read that to you in John 3, 16, that that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we agape God because we didn't. We were running from him. We were doing our own thing. There's a lot of us in this room still doing our own thing, thinking we're going to make it on our own. And you know what God's response to you is? I loved you first. It's not that we loved him, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. He took our place. He, he took the, in some way that we can't understand and theologians can't even explain, he took the punishment for, for all of our rebellion. So he says, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. In other words, what would it be like if we not only opened up our eyes to see acts of love, but what if God began to continue to work in his church around the world and his church in this little tiny place called Kensington, a tiny piece of his church, and said all of a sudden we began to be conduits of his love. He first loved us. His agape love, his sacrificial love has forgiven us. And then in what lives, he says, he came to live through us, to live through us, that his love then flows out. What if all of a sudden this week, Love was flowing out of us like never before. Love that doesn't expect anything in return. Love that keeps no record of wrongs. Love that isn't keeping score anymore. Wow. So change the world. Jesus set us free from this rebellion. Then he finishes, no one has ever seen God until seeing Jesus. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. I want to tell you show you a story. Our team has done such an, our our video team and our story team, our communication team, have they not been unbelievable? These stories have been unbelievable. And we get to live these stories. And so I want to share a story uh, that centers in meeting Jaya Sankar 20 years ago. Here, I actually met him here the first time. And uh, we're about the same age. He's a few years younger than me. Actually, about 10 years ago, he felt like God told him that he had till 60. And then that he, that he was not promised anything beyond 60. He just had open heart surgery this summer. He's doing well, but I, I don't know. But it really began with a love story of me meeting my brother, Jaya. And then the story that is just one of those great stories that's gotten to play out. But here's what I have learned from him. I, he has really taught me what agape love looks like. In a human, on a human sphere. And before you see the story, I'm going to intro it talking about year in giving because this is my, the last time I'm going to talk about it. The reason I talk about it so much is because we have one life to live. We got one chance to really make an impact in the world. And so I just invite you to listen carefully to it and to pray and to say, you know what? What a picture of love if we were on mission with every intentionality to give love to the world. And it looked like this. When I landed in India in the year 2000, nothing prepared me for what I was to see. The overwhelming crush of people, the unbelievable needs apparent visually everywhere. 
In my first and instant response was a feeling of hopelessness. Like, what could anybody do to overcome the needs that are so present here? And then I began to see what Jaya and the team at Christ Evangelical Mission have been doing for decades. You know, we've helped them plant 500 churches. We've been a part of beautiful ministries of caring for orphans and for the homeless. And in recent years, the compassion ministry of bringing in old people who had basically been left to die to come and live in what they would consider paradise. It's a picture of love overwhelming hopelessness. And as I invite you to give to Kensington here, to make a year-end Christmas gift, here's what I want you to know. This would not be possible without your participation. This is your story. When we give, when we give sacrificially, when we intentionally say, we're going to invest our lives in something that breaks the walls of hopelessness down, this is one of those things that changes everything. A few years ago, I got to go back and see again of what our giving does. Our giving is changing the world. Not just one person at a time, not just one child at a time, but one old person at a time. Old people who consider themselves as having no value now know that in Jesus Christ, they're of infinite worth. I want to thank you again because with you, we get to share Christ's love with the world. And we know that Christ's love changes everything. second most populated country in the world. It's home to more than 1.3 billion people. With an average income of only $616 a year, many people live in poverty, facing a growing income inequality gap and little to no opportunity. Families often find children and the elderly as too much of a burden to care for. Abandoned and on the streets, they won't survive unless someone intervenes. At the center of all Indian culture is Hinduism, the world's oldest religion. With over one billion practicing Hindus and a rigid four-tier caste system, religion is inseparable from all aspects of daily life in India. There are many gods, there are 30 million gods. So people have their own choices to choose their own god. Whatever god I like, I buy from Walmart and keep it. If I don't want, I throw away that god, go to Walmart, get a new god. So how does one improve their status in Hinduism? There is a belief that they go to a temple then they offer some money and they think their bad karma gone, their sins are forgiven. Mostly Hinduism believe in karma, so whatever the a person facing and experiencing their poverty, malnutrition, maybe physical infirmity, they feel we have a bad karma. We have to experience that. There is no remedy for that. We have to face it because you did bad karma in your previous life or this life. Jaya Sankar is the leader of Christ the Evangelical Mission in the city of Dalaswarm. Known as CEM, his ministry is addressing a multitude of needs in the community by housing over 300 orphans, constructing and running a hospital, and operating a primary school, among others. One of CEM's fastest growing ministries is the Agape Home a care facility for the elderly. Along with Naveen Kamari, Jaya is working to get Dallas Farm's elderly community off the streets and cared for. Many places in India, children are abandoned and elderly people are abandoned. And some people don't have food, don't have clothes. Naveen, when these, when these older people are put out on the streets, what do you think they're feeling? So they feel um, very... Sadly, 
you are just a, a dust in our relatives eyesight there is no more future some people go to suicide also it's very heartbreaking terrible situation they spent all their life to bring up their children for their welfare they pour out all their life but the children grown up they forget what their parents did for them just kick their parents away from from their house just out on the street you're on your own yes sometimes maybe a son will take the mother on the car or the bus somewhere mom sit here i'll come back in your shop and sometimes the children lock their house mom you sit here just we come back they go to somewhere maybe two weeks three weeks they may not come to open the door what she does he does just sitting in front of the locked door having nothing to eat terrible life hearing stories of how the elderly of india can be thrown out on the streets by their own families and left to fend for themselves is truly disturbing but thankfully there is hope there are people like jaya navin and a whole group of others that are being the hands and feet of jesus to the elderly community in dallas worm So you actually go out and look for people that have been abandoned on the streets and you bring them right then in their home? Yes. So why do you guys do that? Why why do you feel compelled to love that group? So in Matthew 25 Jesus says, "When I sick, you came. When I uh hungry, you came. When I thirsty, you came." Yes. Uh, if we do that, it will be glory to Jesus. So you believe, you're doing it because you believe that's what Jesus would do. Yes. When we bring them to home, the more loving person is here. His name is Jesus. He loves you. He did not abandon you like your family. The Agape home is quite a contrast from the busy streets of India. Here, the residents are cared for and loved. The term agape is a Greek word meaning unconditional or sacrificial love. the old people cannot give anything to uh, whom care for them so it's like uh, jesus loves everyone but he does not uh, uh, think about what he what they give back so he only put on his life with sacrificial love so that's why agape is only giving not expect anything from them we not only speak but we show our love and action this is talking and with deeds helping the people agun chara baat bari hon ha ikalo vachan karo ke baun chara baun e baat re akra chara baat bari hon ikalo vachan anni nava ya me deri ya ఇంటికాడ నరకండి పరిస్థితులు బాగలేక ఇక్కడికి వచ్చాక పరలోక రాజ్యంలో ఉన్నట్టు ఉన్నాం Can you tell us a little bit about your daughter Deepthi's connection to going over there and her heart for those people? And she's grown up maybe around age 9 years old she independently visit the agape home and sit with them talking them what's your what's your name how is your health are you okay today and do you have any need some people say yeah i don't have pest you don't have pest okay wait when i ask her why deepthi you are doing all these things daddy when i see these elderly people i don't know i'm getting some kind of compassion i don't know why 
I think that God is preparing a second line leaders to look after that elderly home. When I came here, God opened the more doors and more places to serve Him uh, in the children, in the elder people, in the community. So all these things I'm doing for the God's glory because He gave me a life to me. So He filled my He filled my heart with uh, His grace and love. Jesus command two main commandments love God and love people so through the CEM it will be done what is true love? And where do you go to find it? Jesus said that greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. In the book of Romans, Paul reminds us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. In the writings of John, we discover that God showed his love for us by giving his one and only son. And by this, we know love, that he laid down his life for us as we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. It's clear that the kind of love God is calling us to is agape love, sacrificial love, love without expectation the highest form of love. Just as Jesus laid down his life for us, he is calling us to lay down our lives for one another. True love costs us something. Just like our friends Jaya, Naveen, and Deepthi have shown us, love's greatest concern is always someone else. Jesus tells us that the way people will know that we are his followers is by how we love each other. So let's follow in the footsteps of both Jesus and our friends in India and truly learn to love our neighbor. thinking uh, since Jai came to Christ as a teenager that he has never taken a day off. Wow. So for about 40 years he's served Jesus recklessly every day for 40 years. <laughs> Think about that. Wow. He and Lakshmi took every penny they had and uh, have invested it for Christ in this world. It's amazing too to experience it. And I thought too, man, you know, it's, this caring for the elderly is, is be, becoming, it's not just India, it's an, ep, it's an epidemic everywhere of uncared for people. Cities of our, of our country, of this country where people are living in high rises that are barely making it. Nobody's coming into their homes to care for them. Yeah. I'm just telling you guys, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, this is the greatest time you could have ever been alive because the opportunities are endless. The opportunities for us to live intentionally and to get out of our comfort zone. I mean, for here, to love, to love our international friends that are coming in uh, to build bridges and relationships to see the beauty of the world. And every time I watch a film in India, all I can think of is people in the world are so beautiful. That one old guy with the white beard and the white hair, is he not the most yeah. interesting person you've ever... I just and, and each person, God agaped the world, the cosmos, 
everything in it. And so it is totally legitimate to interpret that, to say God loved that elderly person so much that he sent his one and only son into the world. God looks at you and loves you like that. That's how God feels about you. And so now that when we receive Christ and he begins to flow through us, we have this phenomenal privilege to live intentionally and say, Lord, whatever you want me to do, let's do it together. We've got one short life to live. Let's go for it. Yeah, as I watch that video, that's what I just am so humbled by every time. Actually, all three of these weeks as I've watched God work in our community, watch him work in South Sudan, watch him work in India. It's stunning to me. And what I realize is the heart of Christ. Because when Christ entered in, in his culture, in the Jewish culture, they had a culture of love. They cared for strangers. They took in people very different from the Roman rule at that time. But what's so powerful is when Jesus entered in, he elevated that even higher. Because he said, not only are you going to love like that, but I want you to love your enemy. I want you to love. That was a radical teaching to love the people that in your eyes were unlovable mm. and it's seen as marginalized. And you watch that in the gospel over and over and over that Jesus noticed the marginalized. He notices the one that is overlooked. He elevates the enemy of the day in a lot of his stories to say, this is the kind of agape love that I'm talking about. And when we have that encounter, we have that ability. So even last week in the story, if you didn't get to see the story of South Sudan, this Nicodemus could easily have sought revenge and said, Jesus came in and he had this unbelievable love for people that he should have never had. And that's what we it's see agape. in, it's agape. It's, it's what we have access yeah. to. It's what we're so passionate about here. It's, it is so what we believe is worth our life. This is what changes relationships. This is what changes communities. This is what changes our country. This is what changes, this is the answer. Jesus is the answer. This kind of love that he lets us have access to. And so that's why, even when you look through this stuff, sometimes we, we can page you and go, oh, no, this is really nice. And no, these are people that we get to intentionally connect with over and over in Cuba, in, in here, in Nepal, which so I'm going to go to in May again. This is what this booklet is about. That's what I love about what we do when we get to this part of the year to say, look, partner with this. You know, partner with us in this uh, as a year-end gift. Come on this journey with us because we believe investing this is worth our life. This is what changes the world. And Amy and I, it's been a great journey for us over the last month just to pray and say, Lord, what would you have us be part of this year? And so we we, want to invite you into that, uh, invite you into this. A journey with us in 2018 and beyond. So I would love you to, to pray over this uh, booklet, to talk uh, in your homes and ask God the dangerous prayer. What would you have us be part of? If you'd like to be part of the giving too, just so you know at the end, there's real five easy ways you can give. And you can look right through that at the end. It's very simple in our app, our website, uh, through the, the regular offering in a number of different ways. So please, yeah. please do that. When Jesus changes our lives, I think one of the most wonderful things that happens is we get to live intentionally. Like every decision you make matters. Every dollar matters. Every hour of your time matters. Every relationship matters. And Mm -hmm. because Jesus is alive and living through us, we have this privilege in a world where everybody's fearful, everybody's anxious, everybody's worried. And we have a message, which is you are loved. So let's give it. Let's give it to our last breath. We're going to finish with uh, Jalen, Leah, John's going to come out and play the guitar. We're going to finish, and part of the part of the chorus that we're going to sing is "Come, let us adore Him." And that word "adore" is a is a powerful word. It's a word that you don't even use much in culture, do you? When was the last time you looked at some, look at the person next to you if you know them and say, "I adore you"? They'll they'll feel weird. Uh, <laughs> I adore you. I adore you. I adore you. Yeah. You're cute. I, that's something I don't I love hear your, very often. I love your hairstyle. <laughs> yes. Uh, that's what I adore about you. So, oh, because, but to adore means you cherish and treasure people. I know I'm, I'm thinking of 2018, the privilege to work with Andrew Kim and mm-hmm. you and Nancy and Jalen, Danny, our Eric, all, our Alan mm-hmm. in the back, all of our team. I, you're people I adore. I love being in this journey with you. It's incredible privilege along the way, but we're going to sing that to Jesus because of all people we should adore. It's the one 
who gave everything for us. Awesome. Yeah. As we do that, we're going to receive our offering as well. Oh, that's a good here. idea. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so, so <laughs> if you come prepared to give, awesome. Uh, thank you for that. If you are brand new here, this does not have to be your moment at all. Uh, but we're grateful that you're here. And so, uh, yeah, let's just watch good. it.
Jesus, thank you for coming. Thank you what we get to celebrate this week coming up. Thank you that it's not just another day. In fact, because of you, because of who you, who you are, every day is Christmas. Every day is Easter. Every day is your love flowing out to the world. And Lord, for whatever time we have, Lord, we just open ourselves up to receive your love and return it in praise and release it in wonder to to love the people around us. Make us an army of people who would give it all just to just that people would know that there is a love that's greater than death, greater than pain, greater than hopelessness, that you change everything and that your love places infinite value on every human person and on this world. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for this. Just thanks for sharing a beautiful hour with us. And Christmas is going to be great. Grab your friends. If you need somebody to pray with, we'll have people to pray with you down front or in the lobby. It's going to be a great Christmas. Enjoy every minute of it, okay? And look for what? Look for signs of love everywhere. <laughs>